What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host today, as always, Bruce Irving here. Today's podcast with David from Pizza Wolf, all about the pizza mobile business they have going. And we talk all about the ins and outs of operating a pizza mobile business. Which is the more profitable avenue for customers? How to deal with health inspectors? How to get your permits by city? I know I get a lot of questions about that. And just some overall marketing fun as well. David's a great guest. This was a fun podcast to do, and I think you're going to get a lot out of this one. Before we get into today's podcast, though, I have to say thank you to a couple sponsors that make the podcast possible for you to listen to. Today's podcast is brought to you by Baccio Cheese, my favorite cheese company. Did you know Baccio is also celebrating 10-year anniversary? A decade of excellence, a decade of performance, partnerships, and rewards. 10 years of seller performance in an awesome rewards club program where you can earn cash back for every pound of cheese you purchase, and they also have superior customer service. I'm telling you. Go check them out, bacciocheese.com forward slash SPM. I'm telling you, the cheese tastes amazing, and the rewards and the partnerships is even better. They're going to help you grow your business. The Gold Club members can use the cashback rewards, a Visa card, however they like. You buy more, you earn more. Premium quality cheeses, uniquely crafted with fresh grade A milk, and a kiss of buffalo milk for that authentic taste and unparalleled performance. And hey, they're celebrating 10 years of helping pizzeria owners just like yourself. So go check them out. BaccioCheese.com forward slash SPM. Ask for a sample. I promise you, you will like the cheese. I've been using it for the last year, and you will not be disappointed. I promise you. Go check them out. BaccioCheese.com forward slash SPM. If you're looking for consistent quality and superior fresh tomato flavor, check out Stanislaus Food Products. Real Italian values guide this family-owned company. Values like work hard, never cut corners, always do your best, and keep your word. They know consistent flavor and quality is crucial to great food. That's why they work so hard to provide you with the freshest tomato flavor can after can. You can follow them on Instagram at Stanislaus Tomatoes for weekly business building ideas from other successful pizzerias. And I have to say over the past few months, I've been using Stanislaus products in my pizzas that you see over on Instagram that I'm making at home. And I'm very happy with the results. I love this food product and I'm very picky about who we suggest you use here on the podcast. So if you hear them on the podcast, you know, I endorse them. I use them. I enjoy them. So if you're listening to this, go check them out on Instagram at Stanislaus Tomatoes. You will not regret it. Thanks to those products for joining me on the podcast and supporting the podcast. Go check them out if you would do me a favor. If you're listening to the podcast, go check out Stanislaus. Go check out Baccio. Let them know you heard about them on the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. As of the recording of this podcast, as I hit my microphone stand here, I just released a new blog post, 17 Marketing Ideas Updated. It's on the website, smartpizzamarketing.com. Go check it out. I think you're going to really enjoy this one. I, I Dove deep into some marketing ideas for specifically pizzerias, things that work today, not things that are generic and everybody talks about, but like, how do you do it exactly today? There's a web, there's a video and a podcast to go along with it. And right now I'm in the process of working on two things that have to do with TikTok. I honestly think that TikTok is a great resource for you to run marketing on. I'll tell you one thing. I have a TikTok account. Well, I have two TikTok accounts, one for the Bruce Irving, which is more marketing. And then I started one for Smart Pizza Marketing where I wanted to start it from zero in today's environment because I want to test things on there. And I wanted to test things that have to do with marketing, 
but also starting from zero because it's very easy for people to say, oh, you can do this and you can do that when they have 10,000 followers because it's there's data there and they know what works and what doesn't and they've been on the platform for a long time. But I have a video that I posted on there and it's like a seven second video of a meme. And it up to this point, as of the recording of this podcast, I'm going to pull up right, right now, which I probably shouldn't do on the fly things as we're uh, recording podcasts because it's not very good. <laughs> But here we go. All right, so I have 113 followers. Now, this is a new account. It just started. I haven't been posting super consistently. The The video has 225,000 views with only 113 followers. 222,000 views. Wrap that around your head for a second. The reason everybody suggests TikTok for businesses is because it's the only platform that can get you that. That's never going to happen on Instagram. Very rarely. You could happen with a reel. It's never going to happen on Facebook. Very unlikely for it to happen on LinkedIn or Twitter. The only platform that gives you the ability to reach that many people outside of the people who are following you is TikTok. And it may happen on reels. That's why on a previous podcast episode, I said I'm focusing on YouTube, Instagram for the reels and TikTok. So go check it out. If you have a question, uh, let me know. But the reason I brought that up was I'm working on a TikTok guide. Two things, a TikTok guide for pizzerias. It's a blog post, probably be a podcast and a YouTube video where I discuss exactly uh, some ideas for content on TikTok. And then I'm also creating a checklist. We have the 65 ideas checklist, which you can go check out at smartpizzamarketing.com. I'm also creating a 75-ish captions for TikTok. And you can use those captions to create content. So everybody always doesn't really know what to type in the captions. So I'll give you a head start on this. It'll be available next week, so listen to the podcast next week or go over to smartpizzamarketing.com and subscribe to the newsletter there, and we'll let you know when that comes out. So thank you for that. Go check it out. I think those are going to be very valuable to you. Let's get into today's podcast with David. This is going to be very helpful for you, and I think you're going to really enjoy this one. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. David, the co-owner of Wolf Pizza, is joining me on the podcast. I'm excited to talk to him. He's in my kind of neck of the woods, not too far from me. So we're going to talk about what he's doing in his business. I got a lot of questions about mobile business, especially as we're getting into summer. So I'm excited to talk to him. So, David, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Bruce. I uh, follow you on Instagram, and I wanted to say that your pizzas look amazing, first of all, so good job on that. Thank and you. I I always love to hear how people got started because there's a lot of people, especially with 2020, who are starting to think about maybe opening up a, a pizza business or a mobile business or a catering business, and I would love to hear how you guys kind of got into it and what you're doing now. Yeah, we got into it in 2017, so I know a lot of people through the pandemic have been getting into stuff, so we got into it a few years before. Uh, I started it with a buddy of mine. We met in culinary school. And we were both just sick of working in restaurants and working for other people. And uh, in Cape Cod and, you know, different tourist towns, there's an off season. So the winter is kind of the off season. Right. We, we kind of plotted like, you know, let's do something come spring. And we it was up to pizza and shawarma. Those were the those were the <laughs> two. I wanted pizza. He wanted shawarma. And we didn't have much money. I think we had like five or six grand between us. And he we ended up settling on pizza we got the original uni ovens way back that had like the pellets so we got we got one of those and started doing first we we actually ended up in a lot we it was on our main street and we're like oh there's a lot of traffic but it was a dirt lot 
And there was a spring water, like you put a quarter in, you get a gallon of water type thing. Yeah. And we literally did that for three, four days. And there was a line out the door for the spring water. And we probably sold six pizzas. So, <laughs> so then we quickly transitioned to farmer's markets and started doing that the first year is mostly just farmer's markets. And then after year one, we kind of shut down November-ish just because the season's kind of over here. And then we got a... Uh, Forza Forney at the time, but Fierro Forney, now yeah, uh, caterer mobile oven, and then everything just skyrocketed from there. Like people were like, "Oh, this is a real business," and they're actually doing it. And we just kind of slowly built up from there, doing less and less selling to the public events and more and more private party type things. So you started and, with Unis. Yes, we started with one, and then we quickly realized that one you can cook a few pizzas pretty good on one, but if you're trying to do any volume, it just it just saps yeah. the heat out too far. Yeah, even if you, I do it sometimes. Like I have an uni and a gosney that I use in the backyard. In, uh, you know, when I have people over hanging out, if you do more than five in a row without letting it heat up, yeah, we the bottom up, doesn't cook. Yeah, by the end of the summer, I think we had four, and we would just rotate and we would, you know, do two, and then let the other two warm back up and switch back over. But we rigged them up because it was all pellets. We rigged them up to do. We got those weed eater. Uh, propane things that like you would get weeds in like your garden with and yeah. we kind of rigged those up so we had propane running into it but the fire department was a little sketched out but it, it worked for what we needed but we're, <laughs> we're much happier now with with you know a real deal oven what year was that when you started 2017 2017 wow and, so and then I mean, 2018 we got the oven yeah so 2020 was when really the unis and godneys I feel like took off and everybody kind of started to use those. Yeah, and they updated the model. It's they're super nice now. The one we had was like like I think their first or second version, so it was a little a Sketchy. little trickier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They're very much equipped now to do what because I think people use them for businesses now rather no, than definitely, just whole. Yeah. That's cool. So you got you so now you're doing the whole um event thing. How do you well, first of all, where did you learn how to make pizza? I know you got you went to culinary school, but like, where did you learn how to make pizza? We had no idea how to make pizza when we started. We, I had a couple buddies that worked in different pizzerias, and I called them and tried to get just a baseline of like hydration levels. For, I knew I could cook. I knew we could do the toppings. Like we, we, you know, we knew flavors. We knew how yeah. to make sauces. So that part, the top of the pizza was we kind of wrote off. Or like we got that part. It was the dough. So. I had a few buddies that worked in different restaurants, pizza places, and had recipes and kind of took what I liked of theirs and would test it out. We did that all winter long, and we thought we had a good dough. And then looking back on just pictures and, like, thinking back to where we are now, I'm like, that was trash. But it, it, <laughs> it worked. It was fine, but it, it's not where it is now. It was Well, that's because every time you do something, you're going to get better at it as you go and be more comfortable with it and experiment and yeah. change things. And, and you get more precise and, you know, yeah. we figured out, you know, temperature is very important with, you know, temperature of the water, temperature that the dough proofs in. So we kind of, throughout the years, have, you know, calibrated that down to where we're pretty precise with it now. But at the beginning, we were just like, yeah, throw it in a cooler with some ice and we'll see what happens. <laughs> you always feel bad. Don't you, like, look back and be like, oh, man, those poor customers at Yeah, it's like we beginning. charged the money for that. <laughs> <laughs> and they seem to like it. <laughs> I mean, that means you started with a good product because if you if they bought it back then and, you know, they're still coming back to you, that means it wasn't that bad. No, it wasn't that bad, but it was... And the oven is, makes a world of difference, too. Like, we, we kind of figured out we were, like, as good as we're going to get in those uni ovens. Yeah. And then the upgrade kind of 
you know, the bottom of the pizza's nicer. It's just, it's easier. But you know what? The, the alternative to that is not ever starting because you never feel like you're ready, right? So yeah, you, it was like, like, if you ever make dough and you're like, oh, that's never good enough, you're never going to start. You got to no, start with. Yeah, you got to start somewhere, yeah. you know? And if we didn't, we wouldn't be where we are now. So, you know, I'm glad we did it. But it was, we also, we didn't have, you know, we didn't have kids. We didn't have, it was just us. So it didn't. You know, if we failed, we'd just go back to the, a kitchen. So it was right. You had something to fall risk. back on. Yeah. And then 2020 happened, right? So what happened during that? So 2020, it was gearing up to be our best year ever. We had, you know, a good amount of weddings, private events booked. And then March happened. And then no one, we didn't hear from anybody. Then April happened and everybody asked for their deposits back. Yeah, I bet. So we just like wrote so many checks. You know, we had these events for, you know, 80, 100 people and you can't do that. Right. So those all totally went away and we just kind of were dormant for a couple months. And then slowly people wanted like, oh, we have a graduation party for my daughter and nine of her friends. Can you wear masks in the backyard and make pizza and put it on this table and we'll come and grab it. So we kind of did little things like that and it slowly kind of built back up. And then that got us through 2020. And then last year it was just everybody who wanted events in the past just doubled up. So it was twice as busy as we ever thought it would be. So right. it's, I think it's it almost, was a sneaky it's al- net gain. Yeah. Like, it's almost like the, the people who didn't get to do their event for one year on top of the people who had yes. planned to do it event. Right. Yeah. It was like, a yeah, just crazy. But then this year is even busier than last year, which we didn't think was going to happen. We thought that's because people was are like sick of sitting home. Flip. Yeah. Everybody just wants to go out and have fun. Yeah. Which is and cool. like it's, the what you're doing too is even though we're still, I don't want to say we're still we're still in this thing, right? Like COVID is still something that is on the news. Yes. It's in the it's in our minds. And what you do is outside, so I think people just feel safer and more comfortable outside around people than they do indoors. Still, no, exactly. And we originally we did this with the thoughts of doing a brick and mortar, and then when you know, COVID happened in 2020 hit. We were like, thank God we didn't have that. We'd be, <laughs> right. We'd be sunk. I'm like, we can just, you know, sink back down into just us doing these little events and survive. But if we had, you know, to pay for a lease and pay for all this stuff, it'd be, it wouldn't be good. And then we, we've decided off of that, just, we're going to just not do the brick and mortar, at least right now, and just stick with the catering aspect. Cause you just, you never know. So you started your business with you started your business with five thousand dollars between the two of you. Yeah, I'd say maybe six at the most. Yeah, we didn't. And have, I was just buying a, a couple lot. ovens and some equipment. Yeah, and we would stuff it in uh, my buddy's Honda Fit. We we had uh, <laughs> we bought roof racks on Amazon for like forty bucks and some straps, and we'd be zipping down the road at ninety miles an hour trying to make it was like a go kart, but we were packed in. I couldn't we couldn't move, but it it made it happen the first summer. That's awesome. And how much did you spend on the oven that you have now? Do you have just one oven? Yeah, we have one. It's we we've thought about getting two, but it's just hard to find staffing. So we kind of like to keep it small. Plus, you can be more exclusive and picky right. that way. But I think the oven was like sixteen grand back then, and that was. And even then, we had to borrow money from a couple of my friends to get it, and then we like paid it off that summer to them. And the rest is history. It's been awesome. And what other equipment do you need to kind of do your events? Uh, well, I mean, you need a commissary kitchen, obviously, um, yeah. a ton of coolers. Like I have more 150 ga- uh, quart coolers than I think anyone should ever have. I think I have about a dozen <laughs> now. So, so that you definitely need a shed full of coolers. You got, yeah, a, a shed full of coolers. Um, 
you also need, you know, obviously you need the peels, you need uh, an ice machine, just or ice a ton of ice packs. We kind of go through both, depending. Uh, uh, definitely, if you're doing stuff mobile and outside, you need a good temp gun just to regulate the dough temperature of everything. And you need good friends that are willing to step in and help you serve when you have bigger events and do stuff for you. And then you just passion, passion yeah. and drive. Did you figure out all the stuff you need as like you're like oh shit we need this now? Oh definitely yeah we we didn't know what the hell we were doing we had like one little like wooden peel and we're like we need more peels like we need you know just stupid things that you realize over time you're like why didn't we do it this way? But that's a learning process that's that that's kind of the fun of it when you look back at it it may not be it may be stressful in the moment but like when it's over you're like that was kind of funny. No definitely it's all it's all super funny and super cool looking back. I guess if you if it failed, it wouldn't be like oh that really sucked. But when you get to look back True. and laugh a little bit, it's it's nice. Yeah. Now, where did you find your commissary kitchen? Do you guys rent a space? We yeah we rent a space locally in town, and they're super nice. We've popped all over. We would the the second year we teamed up with a local restaurant, and we would sell in front of their building when they weren't open, and we would use them, and then we moved to a different spot, and like we want to get our own spot because it's a little tricky, but. One day. Well, you just, so you barter with them and you like, they, you just use their space when they're not in there? Yeah, we would barter with them and then we would give them like a cut of what we would sell. Got it. So it would work that way. And how does it work with, because I know you're going around, you don't go in the same city, right? You go to different cities? Yeah, we, you have to get permitted in every town, which is tricky. Some towns are super easy to work with and some are a little trickier. We know to like stay away from them and things, you know, are harder. And everybody asks for different things, you know permitting is is we kind of have it down now it's one of those things once you get in and they renew a permit it's much easier than the first time you go to to get the permit they're a lot more strict with what they're looking for and making sure your ducks are all in a row but once you've been doing it a few years they're kind of a little more lenient like oh yeah you're doing stuff right we haven't heard anything about you negatively you're good to go so it's almost like you're building your reputation up as a business with the town and the customers. Yeah, definitely. I would I would say, and it gets easier on both aspects as the years go on. Yeah, if someone asked me on YouTube. We do. I've been doing a couple of these, especially over the last couple of years, of a lot of interviews and podcasts about people doing pop ups, and you know, everybody's like, well. They're always wondering about the permits, the health inspections, and all that stuff. And, and it's and I always tell them, like, there's no set answer. Every single city has a different way they do it. And it's not by state. It's no, by city. It's, yes. And even depending on the health inspector you get that day yeah. is, is different. Like, we, when we would do the farmer's market, they would check us every week. And we had, like, a really good relationship with that inspector because she would come every week and she knew what we did. But then she moved on and we had someone else and they wanted different things differently and yeah i remember gonna go with the flow of you know <laughs> everybody's gonna have one thing that like you're doing this wrong you're like oh i guess we'll change that because they you know like one person wanted us to have our paper towel higher up off the ground like it was i'm like it's you know on a table they're like oh it needs to be at least eight feet on you know i'm like okay we'll stick it up here and you know, i, kind I of remember those days i remember being like i can i can talk about it freely now because i don't have to deal with health inspectors anymore so i can talk shit you guys don't have to i'll do it for you <laughs> well i didn't name uh, any town specifically yeah i know he didn't say I, i'll i'll take all the heat for that. but I, I remember being in the kitchen and you know we did have a brick and mortar so we were in the same spot and I was there for 20 years, so I must have seen 10 or 12 different health yep. inspectors throughout the years. And it would literally be every six months, we would know they come in, we would we would do everything perfectly, 
you know, we would have all the regulations covered. And every time we'd come in, we'd be like, the lady would, like you said, she'd be like, you know what? The paper towel machine has to have a sign on it. And the paper towel machine has to be over to the right of the sink. And we're like, okay, so we move the sink. The next health inspection. Why is it to the right of the sink? And we're <laughs> yeah. like, the lady just, can you guys get your shit together? The exactly. lady just told us we had to move it to the right of the sink. And now you're saying we can't do that. It was so, it was, that's like the most infuriating part is like, you listen to what they say last time. And then next time they say something completely different. Yeah. But I think that's when you know you're doing stuff right. Cause they're nitpicking over the smallest little details. Yes. That's exactly you know? what we would tell. Cause like our managers would get super frustrated and we're like, what are they talking about? And they're like, well, they were talking about paper towels. And, you know, we got to have the brooms hanging up six inches off the floor. And I'm like, that's because they couldn't find anything else. They yeah, got to, exactly. like, make their job, like, say they got to do something. They can't just come in and be like, all right, you're perfect. Yeah, that's that's exactly how we feel. Like, we're like, oh, all right. Like, we go into it kind of confident now because we know we're we're doing everything right anyways. Yeah, sometimes I would look at them and I'd be there and the health inspector would be like, you need to put your brooms over here. And I'm like, are you fucking with me? <laughs> like, I thought they were just messing with me. Like, yeah. Not, like, joking around. The I'm other like, key we found is like it's like a good cop bad cop thing. But like they'll, like if we see the health inspector, we're like, all right, like I'll take off for twenty minutes and let uh, my partner deal with it, or vice versa. That way, because they'll ask you the same questions at different times to try to trip you up. So I'm just, oh, like, yeah. I'm gonna take a little walk. And that, well, you know what we did? We did the same thing. It was my brother in law. We would do so. We would see the health inspector come in, and one of us would grab them. And be like, hey, come check this out. And yes, like, it would yes. give the other one 10 or 15 minutes to kind of get everything situated and straightened out. Yep. And I found if you took them by the hand, not necessarily by the hand, but like yeah, but if you them lead the process, yeah, yes. it's way better for you than just letting them go. Don't yep. ever just let them go. Yeah. No, and I, just from growing up working in restaurants, like I worked in a restaurant in Minnesota and we would, uh, we did our own charcuterie program and they were super sketched out about that. So when the health inspector would come, they would come in upstairs and our kitchen was downstairs where we did all that. And we literally would have someone throw everything in a cooler, stick it in a, with ice packs in a trunk until they left and then hang it back up. So, <laughs> you know, I'm like all those oh. restaurant days taught me well with, you know, yeah, what to do or not to do. I just got myself seven one-star reviews from health inspectors on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that's going to be a bad one. Yeah. So, <laughs> You've been doing it for a while now. You, you're you not going to open a brick and mortar? That's not something you guys want to do? Maybe one day. I would need more. We would need more help. We would need another person. Like, the way I like it now is me and my partner, Josh, we know, like, we're going to be doing the stuff. We know what we're doing. We No one's going to leave. No one's going to call out sick. Like, we're we're in it together. You know, we're in the foxhole. Yeah. I would need someone else like that, I think, to for us to open a, a brick-and-mortar place. But I wouldn't want to do that anytime soon. And if I did, I'd want to do super simple. I wouldn't even want yeah. to do, like, the Neapolitan-style pizza we do because it doesn't really travel that well. Right. You know, it's I would I would do more of, like, a, like a New York thin crust-type style probably and just sell, you know, three or four different types of pizza takeout and and when it's gone it's gone type thing yeah i like that that's the that's kind of what i would do especially in the time we're in now because it's hard to find help and yeah it's it's just so much between between trying to find help and then trying to source ingredients and then maintain all that it's a, a huge challenge less is more yeah exactly like that's why the catering thing like you know going to culinary school and everything everybody wants to be especially when i went we went and 2010 and it was all molecular gastronomy type stuff and yeah. fine dining and everybody wanted to do that and then we from there it just like 
everything kind of just changed over a few years. And they're like, we just want to keep everything simple and easy and straightforward. And I never wanted to do catering because I kind of looked down on it. And then kind of backdoored into it by doing the pizza thing as a means to an end. But now I'm like, it's so nice to look at this is exactly what we need for this party. This is, right. you know, we know what we need to prep and what we need to make. There's no waste. Ahead of time, right? Yes. It's, it's, it's like a cheat code. It's so easy. Yeah, there's no like, oh man, it's dead today. We have all this stuff that we prepped up and we didn't even use it. Yeah, or like, oh man, we didn't the steak entree didn't sell as much, you know? What are we gonna do with that? We gotta try to you know, all those problems are just like, oh, we just did what we did. Right. Now you're in the Cape, and if people are listening to this podcast, they're not familiar. The Cape is very much a summer tourist destination for people who live in Mass and people who visit Massachusetts south of Boston. What what do you do in the winter time to kind of get business? So in the winter, we kind of use our selling the to summer, the public. Just to, to cut in here for a second, sorry to interrupt you, but you're from Massachusetts, so you're gonna understand this. Like we get three nice months here. Yes, it. it, it other than that, it's it's rough. But yeah. we we still go in the winter. We'll still do three, four days a week selling at breweries and wineries and stuff. Really? We just we literally uh, the Amazon. We found the they have. You know, like a, a electric blanket back in the day with the coils. They yeah. make like pants and socks and jackets <laughs> with that, and we just gear up and and go with that in the winter. And people, you know, people still come to the breweries and they'll come outside and order from us, and we'll run it into them and stuff. We and that's kind of our main marketing. Like wow. people who go to that will be like, "Oh, these guys are mobile. Their stuff's good." Like. Like, we have a graduation party. What if we have them come? Or, oh, my daughter's getting married next year. Like, that'd be nice. And yeah, it, it kind of goes from there. So that's how we kind of keep the lights on in the in the winter and market towards the summer. Nice. I like that. And it is, something is happening where it's trendy to have a pizza, a mobile pizza unit for, like, your wedding or your graduation or even, like, birthday parties now, where I feel like 10 or 15 years ago, it might have happened, but I don't feel like it was happening as much as you hear about it now. Maybe the internet helped that. No, it's definitely it's definitely becoming a big trend, especially with, with weddings. And we were a little, like, leery to get into weddings originally because you hear, like, these bridezilla stories. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but we have we found that if if a bride wants pizza at her wedding, she's pretty cool. Like, yeah. she's, she's pretty easy. She's happy, you know, and everybody, you know, we come to learn that everybody just wants to have fun and be happy. No one, no one's going to a wedding to be upset. So as long as you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, it's totally fine. Yeah. You haven't talked to my wife because I hate going to weddings. <laughs> I just don't, don't invite me anywhere. That's what I, I, I like. I like working the weddings. I don't go to weddings is hit or miss. It depends who's getting married, I guess. Exactly. And if they have that's an open exactly, bar, that's, a that's exactly right. Like if immediate family, I'll go. I, I get, my wife's Greek, so she has like 37 cousins. So they, they made all movies have, about those weddings. Exactly. That's ex you know what the big fat Greek wedding is exactly a hundred percent accurate. So if you ever wonder what a Greek wedding is like, it is literally that. So that's funny. There's too many of them going on. So I know what that's all about. But yeah, I was wondering about that because I know Massachusetts, like in the winter time, especially the Cape Cod, like it's hard to do business around here because it gets pretty cold. Yeah, my partner Josh is just an animal. He just goes out there, and a lot of times too, he'll just like it's not busy enough where we need both of us. So he'll just be a one man show doing the whole thing. It's he's, he's just amazing. What, how many pizzas do you sell on like a night like that in the winter? Uh, on a, on a weekend, probably I'd say depending on weather, 70 to a hundred. Wow. That's pretty good. Yeah. It's, it's not bad. It depends. And then like we'll do on like Thursdays, we'll probably sell around like 50, but like if you do that every week, that adds up. Yeah, and it's just you in the oven, right? Yeah. 
Wow, that sounds like fun. Yeah, it's aside from when it gets super cold, because you can't wear gloves when you're making pizza, because you need the, the hand. So like your hands get pretty raw. Yeah, and I, I mean, other than the, yeah, the cold part doesn't sound fun, but like being able to just make sixty pizzas alone and not have to worry about anything else, and that's all you got to do. That's that's like why a lot of people get into pizzas and then they don't get to do that. Yeah, exactly, and like a lot of. Especially, like, he does more of that stuff, and then I'm stuck on the computer, like, booking events and doing all that nonsense. And I'm like, I didn't really get into this to do this. But then come <laughs> the spring and summer, when we start doing bigger things and, you know, we get to do it again together, I'm like, this is so fun. I'm like, this is yeah. just a blast, slapping out the dough and, you know, cooking everything under the, with a fire. It's You know, you're like, this is why you do it. Yeah. And it's you nice. Guys, I- we don't have bosses, which is nice. Like, we're our own boss. Like, yeah. It's, it's just nice to you're just responsible for yourself like that's that's the one thing we got into it for we just didn't want to work for anyone ever again we were just how, how do you that. speaking of not having bosses like that can be good but it also can be bad if you're not a self-motivated person how do you yeah, get motivated you, you just gotta yeah you just gotta be uh, well, well i think if i did it alone it'd be much harder like when you have someone else that you're like relying on and josh my partner he uh he came over after the first year he was in colorado and him and his girlfriend broke up and he was looking for something to do. And my buddy who I did it with the first year went away for uh, Christmas and went on Tinder and met a girl. So we kind of did like a double switch thing. And then when he <laughs> moved from halfway across the country and came here, it was like, well, I got to make this grow because he literally packed up his whole life. So you, you kind of feel responsible for the other guy. And I'm sure he feels that way for me. So you kind of it's not just for yourself. You're doing it for the other person. So that kind of helps to motivate you, too. Yeah, yeah. So you guys are, do you guys find yourselves to be opposites where, you know, you're not clashing? Yeah, we, we were pretty cohesive overall. We definitely, yeah, like I think I gravitate more. I didn't realize this until we started it more towards like the business side and the, yeah. I knew I was always from being like a chef good at, you know, keeping food costs down and figuring out, you know, the spreadsheets of everything and all that stuff. But I've kind of delved more into that side and he's more of the, the face of the operation really. Like yeah, everybody, that's... you know, we get reviews and everybody's like, we love Josh and his crew. And he's like, well, you're there too. I'm like, that's fine. I'm good being in the background, just slapping out dough, smiling. Yeah. It's important to like, if you do have partners to make sure that you're not trying to both do the same exact thing, you, you're yeah, almost better these... off trying to find a partner that's does opposite things, has opposite skill sets that you Yes, have. exactly. That way you're not stepping on each other's toes and everything. Yeah. But we're getting friends. annoyed, right? Like if yeah. you wanted the limelight and everybody was saying Josh and you were like, hey, what the heck? You Maybe you'd get resentment. Yeah, but he, I mean, he deserves it. He's the one out there, you know, he's like the nicest dude and he's, you know, works super hard. So I think that's half the reason people are like, this, this guy is great. We got to book them. I'm like, you're the marketing arm of it. I'm just there. You know, making sure the trains run on time type thing. Right. <laughs> I love that analogy. That's pretty good. Yeah. As I get a lot of people who are wanting to kind of start this, but they're not really sure where they should start or if they should partner with somebody. Are you guys like 50-50 partners? Yeah. We just we just split everything down together. And, That's great. And we've been friends for a long time before, so we definitely had like a, a trust already built up where we know the other person's not going to try to, you know, get over on the other one. And we're kind of working for the common goal of it all. But if it was just someone I like met off the street or didn't really know, I definitely would be a lot more, you know, skeptical and be trickier that way. So I could understand why people wouldn't quite know what to do. Right. Where do you? What do you? What's like a day or a week look like for you? Is it a Monday through Sunday thing, or do you guys take a couple of days off, or what do you? How does that look? We originally would go. We would do seven days a week in the summer, just because it was like it's the summer. You got That's when you know you make the money when you're in a tourist town. 
and then slowly gear back. Like this year, we're only going to be doing four days a week. We're going to do events Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, do one brewery slot on Thursdays and then prep and shop, uh, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday type thing. Unless we have like a corporate event or we have a few of those randomly throughout the summer. And then Mondays we're going to, for the first time ever, just have nothing to do with Wolf Pizza. We're just going to be off. Wow. So that's going to be good. But originally we just would grind. We would just, you know, like we went seven days a week in the summer. We would, our first year we drove to, uh, Jamestown, Rhode Island, uh, for to sell 30 pizzas at a farmer's market and that from us is like almost two hours away like that's outside of newport yeah so we definitely we started out with that mentality but then we're like well we can afford to have a day off now right which right is, which is different but yeah it, it it kind of flows pretty good saturdays we have like now in the summer we'll do like two and three events on a saturday unless we have like a big wedding obviously then we'll do just that and then we'll do, you know, an event on a Friday, an event on a Sunday that's usually more casual, like a birthday or a graduation type thing. Nice. What do you is it more profitable to do a wedding versus like a night at a brewery? Oh yeah, way more. Because you get more. to charge whatever you want, or you just like you bid it out, or how do they do that? We so the way we do it is we have a, our everybody goes through our website and they'll, you know, say, you know, when their event is and what their event is and what they're looking for. And then we'll send them. Originally, we started off like, oh, we went to culinary school. We've cooked in restaurants. We'll make whatever you want. But people don't like that. People right. like to have choices. So we've kind of honed a menu over the years. And we'll just send them a list of like, this is what we usually offer. If there's anything else that you might want, let us know. But typically, nine times out of ten, they just go with what's on the list. Nice. So then they'll they'll say what they want. And then we will you know, kind of price it out. And it depends you know, based off of the time of year, the day and the menu that they want and the number of guests, obviously. And we just right. kind of go from there. That's good. So would you, so if you had your choice, you would rather just do weddings? Yeah. I mean, I, it's still fun doing stuff to the public because it builds your name and your brand more. So True. we kind of need a little bit of that still in the mix. But as far as profit, weddings are definitely by far and away the most profitable. So the people who book you for weddings are the people who at some point stopped at your place at a brewery probably that's usually how it starts and then there's a lot like our, we don't really advertise because a we don't really know how to that much and b <laughs> we we just it's just kind of more word of mouth type thing like we'll do a wedding at a certain venue and then the the venue director notices that like oh they did a really good job and then if someone else comes to them like oh we're looking for this type thing then they'll recommend us and it kind of or the same with like a wedding planner like if a wedding planner really liked working with us they'll recommend us again in the future and it just builds that way so do you when you do these breweries do you have menus or cards that you hand out or how do people yeah we, just... we'll have cards for private events that we hand out but we we don't really market it that much we just kind of let them like this is really good you guys obviously travel would you consider doing this and we're like oh yeah and like our Instagram, we'll try to post pictures of events and stuff. Yeah, you should but that's just get a little a, tricky. You should just get a couple QR codes. One QR code that goes to your Instagram says "Follow us on Instagram." Scan this, and then one QR code to "Hey, looking for an event?" Scan this one. Oh, that's that's actually really smart. And then all you just put them on the table right in front of people. So as they come up, you just have them right there. Yeah, and I, then I like have that. them make that choice. Yeah, we thought we were fancy getting square uh, business cards, but th this is a whole other level. QR codes. The the thing about QR codes is. 
Um, and people give me shit about me saying this all the time because they're like, oh, QR codes ruin the dining experience. But you're not, they're not having a dining experience for you, really. They're having like a to grab and go one, right? Yes, exactly. They're just, they're just ordering and waiting five, 10 minutes and grabbing right. a pizza. And two things have happened over the last couple of years. One, phones have become way easier to use with QR codes than they used to be. There's no downloading an app. You can just use the camera. And two, people are way used to using QR codes because they had to for 2020 because they couldn't grab yeah, the no, menus. No paper menus. And everybody so, knows what they are now. Like I, Exactly. I, I have an eight-year-old nephew, and when that Super Bowl commercial came out with a QR code, he grabbed his iPad instinctually and put it up to the TV yeah. and, bloop, and went to the site. Ten years ago, people would have been staring at that thing like, how the hell do we use that? Yeah, what is that? Some type of alien drug, you know? <laughs> yeah, trying to find an app on their phone, and it's gone by the time they figure yeah, it exactly. out. Yeah, exactly. No, that's super smart. See, those are things that you don't think of when you're in the the grind of it, but now I'm like, I'll get off this podcast and be like, that's what we got to do. We got to order QR codes and make it happen. Yeah, you, just, you can go, there's a QR code generator on, just Google it. QR code generator, you put whatever you want it to link to, and it, it does it for free for you online. Perfect. Awesome. Then you just print it out and put it on a put it on like one of those stand up things and you're good to go. Yeah, perfect. So, what do you wish you knew? Like, you, obviously, you're starting out as we kind of get to the end of this podcast. You're wrapping up. You know, you've been doing it for a few years. Somebody who's looking to get started, what's a piece of advice that you wish you knew in the beginning that you could share with them now? Uh, things that I wish I knew at the beginning. I would say how hard and fickle dough can be is number one because we've definitely had days where. The dough is you, you, you're driving, you got, you know, coolers strapped to the roof of a car and you get to the event and the dough's like, oh man, this is a little rough, you know, (laughs) those type of things. But you do that once and you learn, you're like, I never want to feel this way again. Like I, I'll vow to make sure this, I'll stop every two exits to make sure this isn't going to happen. So that is definitely one. Um, I mean, a cheat answer is to say that there was a pandemic coming, but, um, (laughs) right. The other thing I would say is probably just don't try to rush anything. Like we, we were like, oh, we'll do this. We'll get an uni oven, sell pizzas on a parking lot for a year. Who wouldn't come to a, a dirt parking lot to buy pizzas from two weirdos under a tent? And that didn't work. <laughs> That's and a great then, description. That should be your new description. <laughs> yes, that, that was our original marketing idea. Two weirdos <laughs> under a tent. Um, but we, we thought that we would make enough money to open a restaurant after that first year. And we also thought you needed like 40 grand to open a restaurant, which was pretty, you know, like, Oh, 40 grand. We could, you know, you got a couple fridges and a new oven and there we go. And we're like, that's not how it works. So definitely just be patient and, and kind of, but also don't be afraid to start. Yeah. Do something. Even if you're not totally confident in it, if you're like, I know me personally, I'm pretty, conservative as far as like i don't know if i can do this and it's like if you at all think you can do it you can definitely do it and other people have done it before i mean i'm doing it i'm no genius i can make it happen so if if you think you can do it and you have a passion for doing it and you are willing to put in the work just go for it just do it yeah even if you are two weirdos under a tent just get started right yes exactly I mean, that's the best way to start because the expectations of you are so low. If you are just two two dudes under a tent, like the people aren't going to expect it to be amazing. But yes. if you do have a good product, they're going to be like, holy smokes, this is so amazing. Yeah, the because bar their is so low. Is so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. You got you really can't lose, right? But to those like dozen people that went under the tent and got pizza before we like moved and really got up and running, we love those people like to this day. Like They, they get, still come like, back? Yeah, they still come back and they like a couple of them have moved throughout the country and will like 
send them frozen pizzas because like we're like they're like we miss your pizza we're like what's your address and we'll just you know because it's like those people were like the real ones like they they took a gamble on us that was that was cool and that kind of made us even though we weren't selling many pizzas and we get outsold by water um (laughs) that that made us realize like oh we actually kind of have so like people who do come like it we just need to figure out how to get ourselves in front of people who are more likely to purchase what we're doing yeah, it gave you a little confidence. Yeah, and don't be afraid to pivot either. Like, if you realize something's not going to work, move on from it. Like, we were like, oh, we're going to stay in this dirt lot, and that's going to really work out, and eventually they'll come, and it was like, this isn't happening. We got we to gotta come up with plan B. How are we going to pivot this and to get it somewhere? Like, don't stick in a bad situation if you know that it's not going to work out. You got to try to – you, you got to make it happen. You got to – you can't fail. You just have to keep moving and adapting on. Yeah, I love saying, I don't know if I have it anywhere in my office here, but I love my favorite saying is everything is figure outable. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. There's no problem that you can't solve and that someone else hasn't solved before. Exactly. The internet can help you a lot, but it also, um, you should ask some friends and some people because I'm sure anything that you've gone through in business, somebody else has gone through at some point and they can give you some advice. Yes, about it. 100%. David, this was fun talking to you. What a, what a good story. Where can people go say hello to you? Or if they want to hire you, if they're in the area, where should they go? I know you're on Instagram. What's your handle there? Yeah, we're on Instagram. It's at Pizza Wolves, W-O-L-V-E-S. And then our website is wolf.pizza. Nice. Great website, wolf.pizza. Yeah, it was cheaper than wolfpizza.com. So we, we stuck with that. There you go. And that's going to be, that's a popular domain that people are starting to use a lot now, the dot .pizza. Yeah, we love it. David, thank you so crazy. much. I appreciate you joining me on the podcast. Don't go anywhere yet. We're just going to end the podcast there. But if you missed anything, go to smartpizzamarketing.com. We'll link up the Instagram, the website, and everything over there. David, thank you so much. It was really fun talking to you. Yeah, thank you, Bruce. This was awesome. Thank you to David for joining me on the podcast. If you missed anything, we took all the show notes for you over at smartpizzamarketing.com. We're also doing a whole bunch of new blog posts over there. We just released an updated one, 17 marketing ideas for your pizzeria. Working on a new download for you, 75 caption ideas and content ideas for TikTok. Next week, we'll be releasing the ultimate guide to TikTok for pizzerias, so be on the lookout for that. Again, go over to smartpizzamarketing.com if you want to sign up for our either the weekly email newsletter or the daily marketing email, which is going to be helpful to you. We send out some tips and strategies throughout the course of the week. It'll be available on all of those. And if you need some help, let me know. Bruce at smartpizzamarketing.com is my email. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.